Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Today, my guest is April Snow. She is an associate marriage and family therapist in San Francisco. Her specialty is working with highly sensitive people and introverts. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So if you are a listener who lives in the D.C., Annapolis, Baltimore metro area and are interested in getting started with a mindfulness practice, I have new groups, mindfulness groups for women beginning in the fall of 2018. You can reach out to me through my website at progressioncounseling.com. Hi, everyone. Today, uh, I'm talking to April Snow. I'm so excited to have you here and talking about your specialty with highly sensitive people and introverts. So thanks for being on the show, April. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I'm so honored to be here. Thanks. So if you wouldn't mind just telling the audience, the listeners, a little bit about you and what got you interested and inspired you to do the work that you do. Sure, absolutely. So I am a psychotherapist in downtown San Francisco. I work primarily with introverts and highly sensitive folks. Mm -hmm. And I got into that work because I am highly sensitive myself, as this is something I discovered right at the beginning of grad school and it really changed my life discovering that piece about myself you know i had gone through life feeling very different not understanding why i needed to move a little bit slower that i was a little bit you know later to bloom why i got easily overstimulated why i felt anxious a lot of the times and i thought it was because i was an introvert but then as i really dove into studying introversion i realized that there it's just not quite it right there's something more mm. And I had a classmate who introduced the concept to me and I was like, oh, okay. And I started reading and doing my thing as an HSP where I I dove deeply into it. I really immersed myself and there's like a light switch came on. Yeah, for the first time, I understood myself at this deeper level and I started to feel okay about myself, that I needed to move a little bit slower, that I needed you know, less social interaction and more downtime, that that was okay because I had judged myself a lot for that and other people had told me that that wasn't okay, that I was too shy or um, too reserved, whatever it is, too serious, too emotional, you know, all the too much things that we hear, (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially as women. Um, Yeah, oh yeah. So I finally started to move into this place of self-acceptance and thankfully at that time I was part of a really really supportive holding therapist community as I was a trainee mm-hmm. and I I realized the the self-acceptance but also being part of a community and around people that understood me and accepted me for how I was was a huge part of my own healing journey and I wanted to offer that to my clients mm, that's so great and I knew that I was just just really drawn to advocating and spreading awareness about this trait because it's not well known 
thankfully I was able to specialize from the beginning. I had a very su supportive supervisor and, um, I was lucky enough to have some highly sensitive clients that were really excited about diving into the work with me and just has gone from there. Nice. Yeah. So tell me, you know, with your exploration, you know, where you were first thinking, okay, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. No, I'm a highly sensitive person. Right. What are the differences? What is it that you have learned? What do you see in your clients? So what's what's the difference? Sure, yeah. If it's okay, I'll just kind of go into what it means to be a highly sensitive person. Perfect. So, yeah, because a lot of folks don't know what it is. Um, so it is a temperament variation. Mm. So it's something we're born with. Uh, it's also known by the research term sensory processing sensitivity. A lot of that research was done by Dr. Elaine Aaron, who wrote, several books on the trait. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually found in up to 20% of people. So 1.4 billion people on the planet are highly sensitive. We just don't know it. Wow. Right? So you probably know people in your family, in your friend circle, maybe your partner, yourself, who could be highly sensitive, but we don't know to recognize it. And because it's not something that is obvious, right? Like eye color or left-handedness. Um, but it does mean that our brains, our nervous systems are wired to process subtleties at this much deeper level. So we're much more easily to get anxious or overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times we see the, the struggles of being highly sensitive, which looks, looks a lot on the surface like fragility or emotional sensitivity. But it's actually a big part of the trait is our ability to deeply process and to be really empathetic. Mm -hmm. So if I'll just go into some of the core characteristics, which, I, which every HSP will share. Okay. Which is depth, the depth of processing, right? Being able to think deeply, needing time for transitions, pausing or reflecting before we act. That's a big piece of the, the traits. Mm -hmm. The struggle, the big struggle of the trait is being easily overstimulated or getting our nervous system over aroused, which is where the anxiety comes in. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being emotionally reactive or responsive, so highs and lows, right? Not just uh, the struggles, but also feeling euphoric and excited very easily, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful part of the trait. Yeah. Small things bring us great joy, which I love. Mm. And then the last piece is being sensitive to subtleties in our environment um, or sensory information. Mm -hmm. So we're often... Um, we struggle with bright lights or loud noises. One reason why HSP struggle in social, like large social environments, because just the amount of input. Um, and we're also the first people to notice when something's going on with a friend or a loved one or um, if, if the vibe in a room changes or someone is um, struggling slightly but not really talking about it. We, we're very perceptive. So yeah. we really pick up on those details, which is, I think is a gift. Oh my gosh, I would think yeah. too. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. You know, a gift and also a curse where, like, Both, if you're always right? worrying mm -hmm. about other people, that That's could it. be distressing as well. Absolutely. Well, just listening to your descriptions, you know, just some of the characteristics, like, if mm -hmm. characteristics, like, if you took just the, you know, the sensory overload from situations mm -hmm. where there's lots of people, uh, someone who is, you know, technically highly sensitive may say like I have social anxiety because that yes. like, I can't go there that like that's too much for me that's it I see a lot of my clients coming in thinking they're socially anxious I I had that experience too I always thought when I was growing up that I was socially anxious 
I remember being in, in college and struggling with large classrooms and going to big parties. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm socially anxious. I can't do this. So I put that label on myself. And I've seen my clients do that too. Mm. And once I started to learn about this trait, I realized, oh, it's not that I'm afraid to be around people. I actually love connecting with people having those deep conversations, which is common for a lot of HSPs. We love deep connection. We love community. Mm-hmm. But we're overstimulated by all the, the noises, the people. We're noticing all the subtleties in the body language. Yeah. Up on all that. We're very empathetic. You know, we have more active mirror neurons in our brains. Mm-hmm. So we're physically feeling all the people in the room. Um, so it might feel like anxiety because those symptoms are very similar, being overstimulated or anxious. Yeah. Um, but when we peel it back, we're like, oh, actually, if I'm in a familiar place or I'm with a smaller group of people or I've been able to check out the environment beforehand, I'm actually not anxious or overstimulated. Reframe that for ourselves. Yeah. Well, it's almost like, um, you know, what I was imagining was like sensory overload. Like exactly. there's just too much information trying to process, especially if it, if you deeply process all of these things and it's all happening at the same time, Mm -hmm. it could be a little overwhelming. Right. It's too much going on in our brains to handle. So we shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And so whereas like an introvert, maybe that's more of a socialized or, you know, something someone has learned, whereas highly sensitive people, it's a biological I mean, I don't know if that's true. I'm, I guess I'm asking you that. Yeah, I mean, introversion is also, you know, our brains are wired a little bit differently. Um, with HSPs, there's an assumption that it's the same, uh, mm-hmm. when actually 30% of HSPs are extroverts. Hmm. So the extroverted HSPs are going to be more likely to to seek out social interaction. They're going to be more likely to verbally process versus internally process. They're going to they're not going to get burned out as quickly in social environments. Okay. Um, they will, you know, they'll get their their social energy from being with people versus introverts need to recharge internally by, by themselves. Okay. Um, but extrovert, HSP extroverts still need that, um, that kind of deep connection. Even when they are socializing more, they want deeper connections than a non-HSP extrovert. Um, and then HSP extroverts are also experiencing that depth of processing. They're getting more easily overwhelmed, all, you know, all the characteristics we talked about. So it's pretty complex when we think about um, introversion, extroversion, and sensitivity, but there are differences. Yeah. 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 And so um, although this podcast deals mainly with women mm-hmm. or primarily with women, yeah. so but do can men and women both be highly sensitive? This is a great question and a Big misperception because when we think of sense, the word sensitive, for instance, we think of you know emotional sensitivity, fragility, being kind of soft, tender, things like that. Yeah, and we equate a lot of those qualities with women. Absolutely. Historically, we have, mm-hmm. um, but actually, according to the research, you know, the sensory processing sensitivity right um, shows up equally among all genders. Wow. Although, yeah. I know it's interesting, but men tend to repress it more because it's not socially acceptable to be sensitive. Mm, wow. And so what kind of a toll does that take on someone to oh. whether you're a man or a woman if you're repressing yeah. this sensitivity? It's huge. It's a huge toll because when we don't well, either you're repressing it 
or you don't even know it exists, which is true for a lot of folks. They don't even know what high sensitivity is. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we we can't pick out those things we need to do to take care of ourselves you know, because HSPs need a lot of extra downtime and yeah. a lot more emotional regulation, like with mindfulness. I know you talk a lot about that mm-hmm. and meditation, things, you know, whatever mindfulness tools work for you, quiet times. And we don't know that. We're chronically overstimulated because we, we have more active amygdalas, so we're more likely to be in our fight-or-flight response more of the mm-hmm. time in that stressed-out, burned-out space. Mm. And then if we don't know it's because we're highly sensitive, then we're feeling ashamed, we're feeling guilty, we're, you know, we struggle with low self-esteem because we think, oh, we're just not capable. Mm. When really, it's just make a couple tweaks in lifestyle or, you know, in your environment and we can thrive. So it's, it can be devastating when you don't know or when you're repressing it. Yeah. And so if, um, you know, again, because we are focusing on women for this podcast, like, so for the women who maybe don't know that they've been diagnosed or maybe are suspecting that they might be a highly sensitive person, Mm -hmm. what typically do you see they're coming to therapy for? Like what's, what's, Mm -hmm. what's, what are they showing up with in your office? Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this recently, how when I'm working with my highly sensitive women clients versus men with the women, there's a lot more, seems like there's more pressure to perform, right. To push through that sensitivity. Mm. Cause then, you know, historically women have been the caretakers yeah. of our society, right. We were kind of conditioned to sacrifice our own needs yeah, for, for our sure. family. Yep. For our children, whoever's in our lives. And these expectations are really hard for highly sensitive women because we're already, I mean, just as people in in this really busy, loud society, modern day, we're we're already struggling. I mean, everyone is stressed and overstimulated and and over busy, Mm -hmm. but that's really detrimental to the HSP who is feeling chronically anxious or fatigued or stressed out. So they're, they're feeling that pressure to do it all. And then they're feeling guilty because they can't do it all. And then they're, you know, we tend to be perfectionists. So we're, we're doing all we can to, to push through, but then we're really struggling on the inside. Mm. And then that eventually leads to health challenges, burnout, resentment. There's so many things that happen as a result of that. Oh, yeah. I don't see that same level. I know that it's interesting. I don't see that same level of anxiety or guilt with my male clients. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Because I would say... You know, I mean, I specialize with in working with anxious women mm-hmm. and like the anxiety is like, it feels like oftentimes that they are like, this is just who I am. Like I am this anxious person. But if you sort of shine this sort of highly sensitive person, high, you know, light on that, maybe mm-hmm. it's just you're processing things differently. But too That's interesting it. that men don't carry the guilt around that. Yeah, I know. And guilt is so chronic for HSP, especially women. Because mm-hmm. we because we're so empathetic, we if someone's struggling and we can't help them, we're feeling we're feeling badly that they're struggling and then also we're feeling their pain for them. So it's a it's a it's a double edged sword there. And then guilty too, I would think, around almost like wanting to t- take time to be away, to mm-hmm. like, to not do, to not be, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have that time that's yours to help you sort of mm-hmm. reset. 
Absolutely. That, I think that's the biggest piece that gets in the way of us taking more downtime. I can speak to that my, for myself too. Yeah. You know, it's, we feel, we feel guilty when we take care of ourselves. You know, that's when I do my HSP groups, we, I actually have them practice saying no out loud <sighs> over and over again because we're not comfortable with it. It's really difficult to say no. Wow. That that's, guilt is so strong. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I like feeling guilty about taking care of your own needs for taking right. care of self. Like I hear that yeah. time and time again with my women clients. Like you know, there isn't the time for me to take care of me. Right. That's it. There isn't yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not doing a good job of taking care of anybody else. Right. That's it. I mean, how are we, how are we to take care of others if we don't have the energy and the capacity to, to get through, just get through the day? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not sustainable. No. Oof. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, how do you help? How, what is it, mm-hmm. you know, you said you have an HSP group, but so what mm-hmm. is it that you work on with your clients who are highly sensitive? Yeah, absolutely. So first off is learning about the trait itself, right? What are the different components? How does it show up in our lives? Really understanding that it's real. Mm. So Dr. Elaine Aaron says that a lot. Like you have to know your trait is real. Yeah. Otherwise you won't take care of yourself. Um, so this, ha- you know, that's where I start off in groups and I also weave it into my client work. You know, at the, on the first session with every client, I give them the self-test. We, I look for the characteristics we talked about, the does, depth of processing, or simulation, emotional receptiveness, and sensory sensitivity across the lifespan. So I'm looking for that always um, and how that shows up. Mm-hmm. And then once clients really understand, okay, this is what the trait is, this is what it looks like, this is how it shows up in my life, then we start to create um, a supportive lifestyle, right? Incorporating Mm. mindfulness tools, self-compassion work, Mm. making sure they know how to regulate themselves, so really getting to know what their triggers are around anxiety or overwhelm and then how to correct for that, Mm -hmm. which which includes a lot of quiet moments throughout the day. So whether that's um, making sure they actually take a break during the, the work week, mm-hmm. um, finding little moments of quiet where they can step outside or just step away for a cup of tea, or yeah. at the end of the day, making sure they have enough time before bed to wind down. Mm-hmm. There's all these little pieces, but they mostly center around finding balance and incorporating more quiet for yeah. processing because we're deep processors. So if we don't have that time for processing, our, our brains can't do their work essentially. And that's when the ruminating, the anxious thoughts come in because we're inherently, we're going to worry. That's our, our trait is that was designed to be the ones that kind of look at the big picture that take care of all the details. So we're, we're designed to worry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when we are putting too much on our plates, that, that worry then turns into anxiety, turns into burnout. Mm. And it's just that like constant, not processing, but like mm-hmm. you said, ruminating. Right. Yeah. Just, it starts to go to the dark side a little bit. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So highly sensitive people can struggle with anxiety if they're not taking care of their own needs. Is that? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's true. I mean, and when we see clients, when I see clients that do start to advocate for themselves, start to take care of their needs, the anxiety disappears. It's phenomenal. Because we Mm. have, part of our trait is something called 
differential susceptibility. So when we're when we've had difficulties in our early childhood, we've had traumas, we we tend to struggle more. But then on the flip side, when we've grown up in supportive environments or we have supportive relationships in our adult lives, such as a therapist or a partner or a loved one, we thrive more than an NHSP. So just little changes go a big, go really far, right? They make mm. a big impact, which is incredible. That is. Well, and I would imagine being able to, one, recognize that the struggle is real, that it's mm-hmm. biological, it's something that you're born with. But then right. too, like, here are the tools that can help you thrive with being highly sensitive. Would be so That's helpful. it. That's it. And, you know, I, I like to think of it as time traveling. When I think of what I do for myself, it's just essentially taking back those moments of quiet spaciousness that used to be a part of everyday life, right? Before smartphones and social media were kind of a daily experience. Mm-hmm just really slowing it down. So putting your phone away and taking that, that time to, to think and reflect and to daydream, you know, setting boundaries around when you're, when you're available. You don't have to be available all the time. Yeah. And doing less, right? Seeing what you can take off your plate, seeing what you can get help with, seeing where you can say no more often. Mm. That's really important. Well, and, and learning to, I mean, I think as women, again, the guilt and the, about saying no, but also of, of advocating for what we need. So like allowing yourself, giving yourself permission. I mean, it's all, I mean, to me, like it almost is like, okay, well, now that I, this would be, I imagine it's <laughs> imagining in your therapy office, like mm-hmm. now that I know that I'm highly sensitive, I have to make sure I take this time, you know, give myself this gift to help me manage this situation. It's almost like a prescription yeah. sort of. Exactly. Right. Mm. It's, it's necessary. I, I've said this before, but it's not optional. It's essential yeah. to take care of yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone, but for in everyone, <laughs> for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I noticed, which I loved, on your website that you have a section that's dedicated to the strengths of highly sensitive people. I do, yes. And I would love for you to f- talk about that a little bit, too. Yes. I, thank you, Elizabeth, for bringing this in because this is not something we focus on as much as HSPs mm. because we do have a lot of struggles in the modern day, right, where we're feeling tired and overstimulated and anxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's... Let's let's invite some space in for the the strengths of the of the trait because there yeah. are quite a few. Yeah, and you know, related to some of the characteristics is you know our ability to be perceptive, to be empathetic, which mm-hmm. also means we're very creative and we're we're amazing caretakers. We're you know we're, we really pick up on nuances and we're able to anticipate need, which is a beautiful skill in relationships. Oh my gosh! Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And because of that deep processing, we make really incredible employees. We make, you know, we're very creative. We we have big ideas, mm. and we we see the what can be possible, right? We're very visionary. We're big dreamers. We're oh, it's just amazing what what we can come up with when we have the space to let our brains do our do the work that they want to do. Um, yeah, so, so we we are needed in this society. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just what we bring to it as far as emotionality and connection and and perception. Um, people, I, I've heard people say like, "Oh, you know, I don't want to be highly sensitive," or you know, we, 
there's this expectation that everyone should be kind of extroverted and move quickly through things, but we're the ones that kind of hang back and, and, and really look at what's possible. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. So if um, someone wanted to know more, I know you had mentioned uh, earlier that there is a self-test. Like how does someone figure out whether they're highly sensitive? Yeah, absolutely. So there's not the, – the self-test is a, is a great way to start. So mm-hmm. on Elaine Aaron's site, which there's a link on my HSP resource page um, – for the self-test, it's a 27-point test. And then, so you would look at that. If you score more than 14 on the 27 points, you're very likely highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a test for children as well, which can be helpful if you're trying to decide if your child is highly sensitive. Oh, yeah. Um, imagine. Mm-hmm. And then also looking at um, the characteristics of does, which is, you know, that we talked about several times today, you can mm-hmm. look and see if you're really resonating with all of those. And those would be present across your whole life, right? Not just as an adult. So the self-test is a great place to start. You know, reading the Highly Sensitive Person book by Dr. Elaine Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great way to kind of sit with different stories of HSPs and learn more about the trade and see if it resonates with you. There's a copy of the self-test in the book. And all, all the resources that I'm talking about are on my site. You have links, so it's all in one place. Awesome. And those will all be in the show notes so great. people can find those. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. So great. So so if there were um, a tip or you know something that you felt would be helpful for a potentially highly sensitive person, what might that be? Mm-hmm. I mean, the number one tip is just to slow down and get more downtime as much as possible. Mm. That is the critical piece. Yeah. So if you can do anything for yourself, it's carving out more space in your day. Yeah. That is that is the most important. Um, just to decrease the stimulation levels, the input, you know, the busyness, and find a little bit of space. Um, if you can't find any space during the day, at least going to bed maybe a half hour earlier and mm-hmm. give yourself time just to think and process mm. and and look over your day. Yeah. That's the one critical piece. And yeah. if if possible, incorporating some breathing or mindfulness tools, whatever yeah. your favorites are. Mm-hmm. Even just like I like to do, just even just stopping, taking three slow, deep breaths, reset the nervous system just slightly. Mm-hmm. Make a big difference. So you kind of want to stay ahead of the overprocessing of the the anxiety, the overwhelm. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, just having giving yourself permission to pause every once in a mm-hmm. while uh, yes. to reset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and even um, closing your eyes when you're doing that pause, taking those breaths, is a huge benefit for HSPs because we take in eighty percent of our stimulation through our eyes. Oh wow. So even 60 seconds breathing with eyes closed, if, you know, if you can do it at your desk or if you have to go into the restroom or go to your car, wherever you have to do it, you know, incorporating that throughout your day can make a big difference. It makes a big difference for me throughout my day. And I don't think I'm a highly sensitive person. Right. But yeah, fine. it helps for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's a great mm-hmm. tip. And so do you, uh, you've mentioned Elaine Aaron and her mm-hmm. work. Are there mm-hmm. other resources that would be important for the listeners to know about, which I will also mm-hmm. include in the, in the yeah, show? Yeah, sure. Um, so in addition to Elaine's books, I really like 
Julie Bielan's book, uh, Brain Training for the Highly Sensitive Person. Mm. This is especially helpful for those folks that are managing anxiety or, or feelings of overwhelm. Her book is an eight-week course that incorporates a lot of self-reflection, self-compassion, and regulation tools. It's very accessible. Uh, mm. There's a link to that on my website as well. Awesome. And then also, I really love, if you're incorporating more mindfulness, uh, adding on self-compassion work, I love Kristen Neff's self-compassion exercises, which are on her website, selfcompassion.org. Yeah, yeah. Shoot. The self-compassion break, it's just five minutes. It just kind of helps you kind of tap in and offer some um, validation and kindness to yourself. It can be really helpful when you're feeling hard on yourself, right? Because we tend to be perfectionists and uh, there's so much, you know, we can't be, we can't be doing it all perfectly all the time. No, definitely not. Well, and I think too, just, you know, as we, you just mentioned, you know, giving yourself permission to take that break, but also Mm -hmm. doing it non-judgmentally, you know, with compassion that this is something that I need and is good for me. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when we can be, when we recognize that it's okay to bring those self-care tools in, we're more likely to give them to ourselves. So do you have any upcoming projects or things happening in your practice that you would like to let the world know about? Sure. I mean, in the fall, I'll be starting another round of HSP groups. If anyone's in the San Francisco area, you can find that at my website, expansiveheart.com. Also there, for anyone who's not in the area, but is just looking for extra layer of support, there's a guide that you can give to your therapist. If your therapist is not familiar with working with HSPs, um, I have a guide to help reduce overwhelm, which is I think is really helpful. Just some simple accessible tools. I have a pretty expansive resource page, which I'll be continuing to add on to. And then um, my blog, I'm always adding to as well. Awesome. I love that. I love that you have a a resource sheet for therapists who might not be familiar with it. Yeah, because a lot of therapists don't know about the trait because it's not in, you know, curriculum or, you know, it's, it's still, the research is still getting out there for professionals. So if your therapist doesn't know you're an HSP, but you want to bring that in, I think it can be really helpful for your therapist to know and be able to support you through that process. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much, April, for taking the time today to talk Mm -hmm. to the listeners here at Woman Warriors. And, um, you know, to me, it was so helpful to, you know, recognize that maybe there are people out there that are struggling with anxiety that Mm -hmm. maybe don't know that there is a highly sensitive person underneath there. (laughs) That's right. It could be the missing puzzle piece. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And how to manage. Yeah, absolutely. And Elizabeth, I really do appreciate you opening up your platform to have this conversation because it is important to bring awareness to the trait so folks can discover that about themselves. So I'm really grateful to be able to have this conversation with you today. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in this week to my interview with April Snow. I really enjoyed our conversation and came away with a lot more knowledge on what it means to be a highly sensitive person. I hope that if you suspect or are considering that you might be a highly sensitive person, that you check out her resources on her website, uh, which I will include in the show notes at womanwarriors.com, but her website is expansiveheart.com. So I hope uh, you check those out and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks again for tuning in. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. 
Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.